Hey there, Bellator Colloquium listeners. Today's podcast is actually sponsored by us. <laughs> We're going to take this opportunity to share with you some of the fun merch we have over in our Bellator Goods shop. Absolutely. We are celebrating love languages all month and looking forward to St. Valentine's Feast Day on February 14th. So we can think of no better time to announce the ever popular Garland of Roses Lotion Bar is back in stock. And Yay! Yay! <laughs> and we're releasing a companion product, the Garland of Roses Lip Balm. So treat yourself, treat your mom, your friend, your sister, everybody. If you love roses, you will love these products. Yeah, and if your love language is gifts or maybe even your love language is good smells or cozy sweatshirts, <laughs> go over to www.bellatorsocietyshop.com. Enjoy this podcast. This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Good morning, Bellator Society. Welcome to the podcast. This is Tracy Eddy in Scottsdale, Arizona, and I have Fran Yeager in Nashville, Tennessee recording. Good morning. Good morning, my friend. It's a snowy, snowy day here in Tennessee. Ah, I don't miss it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you had Denver snow, so that makes sense. Ours is like a teeny little bit that just makes everything look crystalline and white and clean, and it's actually very, very lovely. Oh, good. I do love a good snow at, like, December. But when I start talking about Lent and Easter, Mm. (laughs) I want tulips. Big time. Yeah. Big time. Cherry blossoms. All of it. For sure. For sure. Well, we are just thrilled this morning. We are, we have a guest and she, I don't know where she's actually recording. Where do you, where do you live guest? (laughs) I live in Indiana, actually. Indiana. Okay. Not too far from Tennessee. From Indiana, we have uh, Caitlin Fasista with us and she um, has a website called Tea with Tolkien, and she has a podcast. She is a Catholic mama and wife, and she, uh, according to her own profile on Twitter, she's a hobbit at heart. So she <laughs> talks all things Tolkien, and so we are going to talk about literature and just kind of our love for literature uh, with her today, especially because you're going to be listening to this on Valentine's Day. We always record a little early, um, but this will come out on Valentine's Day. So we hope that you can get inspired to find some good books and read with your beloved. Indeed. I am so jazzed that Caitlin's on the podcast today because I'm a huge fan. I follow Tiva Tolkien on Twitter, uh, you know, all the time. Love it. You are a genius on the Twitters and I love your podcast too. So thank you so much for joining us today. Um, can you, Oh, good. I'm so (laughs) glad you said yes. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about you for our listeners? Because those of us who have stalked you via Twitter, we know quite a lot, actually, but maybe our listeners don't. So um, what more should we know about you, Caitlin? Okay, I'll just I'll start from the beginning, I guess. Um, my name is Caitlin Fasista, as you guys already mentioned, and I run a website called teawithtolkien.com. Um, 
basically what we do with Tea with Tolkien is um, mostly book clubs. So right now we are reading The Lord of the Rings in one year. And that's pretty nice compared to our past book clubs because we usually have done a uh, like a lot faster pace. And so this year we're just taking like a nice leisurely stroll to Mordor. Um, that's definitely my kind of pace. Yeah. Caitlin, how many times have you read Tea with, or how many times have you read Lord of the Rings? Oh man, um, I, I'm impressed already. If you can't I, remember, <laughs> I'm impressed. <laughs> I'm, I've listened to the audiobooks a lot. Um, yeah. So I've probably like all together reading and listening maybe like eight times. That's wow. If I could guess. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't like keep a tally. That is a huge feat. We have a friend who's a priest who I don't think listens to the podcast. (laughs) Oh, he's the one who punked me. Um, Which if you've listened to to that podcast, you'll know what I mean by that. But in any case, um, one of the first times he came over to our house, uh, one of our boys was reading um, Lord of the Rings for the first time because um, they're not allowed to watch the movies until they read the books. And he was on, I believe, the third book and he just couldn't get through it. He was like, can I just watch the movie? Like, no, you have to finish this. And the priest was like, like, come on, just just let him. I've never read it. And I was like, what? <gasps> Are you kidding me? You have to read it. I think he's read it since then. But yeah, yeah. So the fact that you've read it eight times, I mean, nothing but props. That's awesome. Thanks. Yes. Okay, go on. I'm sorry to interrupt, but I can tell when, you, when you're talking about like reading it in one year versus reading it faster, like you, you, you've read it multiple times. Legit. Yeah, <laughs> my interest. I've read it a lot of times. Um, and then we've also done a couple of Silmarillion book clubs and we did the Silmarillion in 14 weeks, which uh, I think that was way too fast for most people because by the end of our book club, like pretty much everyone had fallen out. Yeah. You can't get behind if you're reading it. Yeah. It was very intense, but I knew some people like you, some people don't want to spend an entire year reading one book. So I was trying to accommodate those people, um, but it's fun to switch it up. Um, so more about me, I am a wife, so I have a husband, (laughs) there you go, um, and I have three kids, and I'm due with our fourth in pretty much any day now. Oh my goodness, congratulations. Thank you. Do you know if it's a boy or a girl? It should be a boy, um, according to the (laughs) ultrasound, you never know until they're born, really. Um, The bits are sometimes confusing and fingers get in the way, you're right. Yeah, so I always say like it, it. it's probably a boy, but I don't want to um, <laughs> be wrong, and that would be awkward. Yeah. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah, that's so exciting. And just think, if you were to go into labor while we're recording this podcast, wouldn't that be amazing? <laughs> yes. Honestly, I would take She's any probably so day, ready. <laughs> any moment. Yes. <laughs> oh, we should say, because this is part of your podcast, um, are you drinking anything? Like, is there any special tea to drink that oh. helps labor begin? I'm going totally off brand and I'm drinking a Powerade from Sonic. <laughs> <laughs> That's fine. Oh, it's not Sonic. your podcast. <laughs> I love Sonic. Yeah, they're I do too. with the Powerade. That's like my favorite drink when I'm pregnant. A hundred percent. The crushed ice. I would even just take the crushed ice with water. Yeah. I mean, just there's something about the, 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 the bite of it, the way the, the ice crystals collapse between your teeth. Can oh. I say totally off, you know, literature and, and, um, such lofty topics. My sister used to live across the street from a Sonic and every day for years before she would leave her, she would leave her neighborhood on her way into work and she would get an ice water from Sonic. 
with yeah, lime, and she'd pay for it. I'm like, what? Yeah. Yeah, they charge you, I think it's like 50 cents or something. Mm-hmm. Yes, and she'd get maybe some lime in it or something like that. But I'm like, oh, nice. get just get a big thing of the ice and then make yourself, you know. But even if she's running light, she'd go through Sonic, and she's like, I really? got my water. That's funny. Like, they sell their ice in bags that you can have it Yeah. In. Totally. We've bought it for parties before, and my in-laws have a um, ice machine that, when they renovated their kitchen, it's basically Sonic ice. It Whoa. is. I, I don't covet a lot. I covet that. <laughs> That's covet worthy. That's amazing. Uh, it is. It it's is. really awesome. Okay, so back to you, Caitlin. Um, you may or may not be in active labor right now. That would be awesome if you were. I would be so, <laughs> so happy we'll go th- <laughs> if, by the time this podcast comes out, if I'm already done with labor. <laughs> oh, it would be a not. gift. Yeah, yeah. So, tell us a little bit more about yourself. You are a convert, mm-hmm. yeah, which is of particular interest an interest to us. Go ahead. Um, so let me think. It was five years ago that my husband and I, and then our daughter, who was nine months old at the time, we all became Catholic um, all together. So it was really special. Now, you have to tell Tracy, because she might not know this, um, in what country did you convert? So we were actually in England for my husband's medical school. He was there for two months for a couple of rotations. Um, And while we were there, we started going to daily mass. And then uh, the priest there, he he noticed that we never came up to receive communion. And he was kind of like, hey, what's going on? And we were like, oh, we're not actually Catholic. Um, and so he actually talked to his bishop and we talked to him. We met with him a bunch of times and he was allowed to receive us into the church. So it was really cool. Isn't that beautiful? That is cool. And what a, what an interesting country to become Catholic because obviously because of the Anglican tradition there, the the fact that you found your way into the Catholic church while kind of on a long-term visit to England is, that is a cool story. Yeah, it was really crazy, too, because um, so the church that we were confirmed in um, is called St. Edward the Confessor, and it's actually right down the street from a different St. Edward the Confessor, which is an Anglican church. And so, like, I don't know, I just thought it was really funny. Like, all these churches all have the same names, but one's Catholic and one's Anglican. And it can get confusing. Yeah, Yeah, especially when you're, like, Googling directions. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Not that I think one. my dad, my dad was on an overseas trip and I forget what country it was, but he looked up mass cause he wanted to go to mass. And he said that he showed up and he was like, this is kind of like mass but it's not like there's some things that are different and he was in an anglican church oh, no. <laughs> hilarious <laughs> he figured so it these out things happen yeah mm-hmm. so um more on point to our uh, topic today because we're going to be talking about love and literature um did you learn anything about the catholic church was there anything about things that you were reading that drew you to the catholic church yeah well so really it started for my husband he was the first one to kind of get into it and then i kind of was like, oh, what are you learning about? I'll, I'll kind of learn about it too. Um, and really what what convinced me to become Catholic was the whole idea of um, the early church being the Catholic church. And so yeah. we read a lot of the church fathers, especially St. Ignatius of Antioch. Um, mm-hmm. We actually named our son after him, so his middle name is Ignatius oh, because he was like awesome. such a big deal to us. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. 
Well, let's jump into some books. Okay. Um, our 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 idea for this podcast was that um, each of us would pick out um, uh, like our favorite love story, and that's a loosely. I mean, that, we can interpret that loosely. Like it doesn't have to be romantic love, but just book about love, and then maybe defend your thesis. Why is it a good love story? <laughs> I'm nervous. <laughs> I'm already sweating. To She's like, thesis. My hands started like getting clammy. <laughs> Would anybody like to just, I mean, just say what your book is. Should we all say it at the same time and see if we any, uh, we pick the same one? <laughs> no, no. Caitlin, you go first. Okay. Well, mine isn't, isn't an actual book. Mine is like a love story within a book. And so I figured since I'm tea with Tolkien, I would talk about Lord of the Rings. Um, so mine was the kind of the the story between Eowyn and Faramir. Oh yes. Yeah. What I about you guys, it. Fran? Trey. Well, mine is <laughs> mine's not going to shock anybody who knows me. Um, I'm actually not a big fan of novels. I know I just heard the collective gasp yeah. across the world. Um, I just that. I actually have a minor in English literature, so of course I had to go to something English, and it's going to be Pride and Prejudice. Okay. Always a good one. It's a solid choice. Well, mine, y'all might think I'm crazy, because I will say this, and I've always felt like I have to give backstories on everything I do, but I've gone through this phase with having teenage kids who are having to read books, and um, and it, it dawned on me that I read a lot of just classic literature as a kid, as a teenager. And so I always like to go back and reread. I've started rereading a lot of um, books that I read when I was younger, like Little Women and, um, yeah, Pride and Prejudice, things like that. However, the book I chose is a more modern book. It was just released in 28, I think 2017 or 2018. Anyways, Where the Crawdads Sing. Has anybody read that one? No, I haven't. But I know lots of people who have. Is it good? It's really good. It is really, really good. So anyways, that's that's what I chose because I thought, we'll just shake it up here. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, y'all. So why is your story a good love story? Anyone? Mm. Bueller. Crickets. <laughs> Crickets. <laughs> okay, so I'll, I'll even give a little bit more intro here. So the, the things that we threw out were, does it, does it cover... Um, themes such as forbidden love or familial love or unrequited love or the love of friends or um, the the kind of I don't know if it's a motif but how enemies or opposites attract kind of love um, you know the polar ends coming together uh, a triumph of love um, the the theme of love converting someone or love saving someone um, do any of your stories have any of those elements to them um, I feel, I like, feel like, do you want to go? Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I feel like the reason that I, I feel like the story of Eowyn and Faramir really stuck with me is because of the way that they kind of save each other. Um, because have you guys read The Lord of the Rings? Yes. Oh, yes. Okay, okay, okay. Um, so towards the end of The Return of the King, they're meeting, and they're both recovering from these grave wounds um, that were left behind from these last battles. Um, but now they're all, they're both kind of feeling trapped in the house of healing. And, um, especially Eowyn, I think maybe I, I think of her perspective more just because I'm a woman maybe, but, um, uh, she's just feeling like she just wishes that she died in battle and she's still kind of seeking that, which is just really sad. Um, but then the more she talks to Faramir, like her heart begins to soften and they kind of, 
I don't know. I kind of feel like they find like a lot of healing within each other. Yes, absolutely. I love that theme. There's so many books that have that same theme that like without that love, what is life worth anyway? I mean, that's kind of yeah. kind of where you're pointing. Like, without love, none of this makes sense in the world, you know? Yeah. And then the way the way Tolkien describes it is he he uses a lot of imagery of like winter passing and winter melting mm-hmm. into spring. And um, I just thought that was a really beautiful way of describing it kind of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Trey, do you want to defend your thesis? <laughs> <laughs> just saying that makes me so nervous. But yes, yeah, fine. I'll defend my thesis. Okay, so where the crawdads okay. sing is um, it's about uh, the main character. Her name is Kaya. And she, her dad is, and they live in the marsh. So they live like literally in a shanty in the marsh. They're super poor. The dad is um, an al- an abusive alcoholic and, and but and there's several children. Kai is the youngest. And one day her mom, um, he, he's off kind of on a drinking binge. And the mom um, gets dressed and leaves and never comes back. And the mom had always been sort of the protector of the children. And that was, you know, just devastating, obviously, to, to the children. And the dad kind of abused the children physically. And one by one, the older ones just left. And ultimately, Kai was left with her dad, and she sort of learns how to um, kind of stay out of his way and things like that. Um, and eventually, the dad leaves. And so, Kai is left by herself in a marsh with no food, no money, no, I mean, just really. And she kind of raises herself, but she, um, she learns kind of how to survive. Um, so, it's sort of a survivalist story, and she meets um, a couple who kind of own the... Uh, the like the gas station for the boats and stuff and you know the worms or whatever kind of a real small type a little station that has like some supplies and a little bit of food here and there kind of a little market of some sort and they kind of um they never really press in on her on her privacy and stuff like that but they're her support so if she needed something she would go talk to them every once in a while they'd give her food if she needed it but they but she had a lot of pride so she didn't she didn't beg you know but every once in a while they would just have a little extra for her, you know um and over the course of the book, she meets this guy who um, loves the marsh and loves, you know, uh, the animals and the wildlife. And, and that's his kind of his calling. And he teaches her to read and he goes off to college and he gets a great job as a um, biologist, and it, it, which brings him back to the marsh. And anyways, they end up um, kind of being each other's soulmate um, to some degree. And, and then in the end, you kind of see, I don't want to totally give the whole book away, but you see her sort of putting her life back together. But it really is like... And she falls in love with a crawdad? A little girl. <laughs> well, Fran, you're going to love this book. You're going you're gonna to love it. She self-taught. So he taught her how to read, and then she fell in love mm-hmm. with reading. And, and that mm-hmm. kind of saved her. It kept her sane. Mm-hmm. And, and she fell Aww. in love with art. And um, it is really, really good. So there's friendship... There's, you know, um, th- this couple were not her biological family, but they, you know, she, mm-hmm. they were the closest things to parents that she had. She had to deal with, um, she adored her siblings that all left mm-hmm. and had to kind of work through that. And then, you know, ends up kind of reuniting with them as an adult and learning to kind of love them and forgive and stuff like that. Oh, y'all. It's <laughs> a tearjerker. Yeah. It's a, it is, it's really, really good. There's lots of elements there. There's so um, many. 
So again, I said that mine was defend your uh, thesis. Prejudice. Defend your thesis, Brandon. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna. Uh, basically, my thesis is that it's a love story because um, almost every other contemporary love story follows some of the patterns in uh, Pride and Prejudice. And just, uh, I don't want to. I'm not going to be academic about it. But there are so many relationships within the story of Pride and Prejudice that um, that have become part of our common narrative expectation when we read a love story. Mm-hmm. Um, which I think is just, oh, I just love it. But what I truly love about Pride and Prejudice is um, the idea of sacrifice because that's love. I mean, as Catholics, that is our standard for love. Um, and that that's what that's what makes love real. And so I think that there, especially between Lizzie and Mr. Darcy, <laughs> um, <laughs> there's, there's so much, um, there's conversion and there's sacrifice, especially on the part of uh, Mr. Darcy um, and his behavior that um, show that, that actually brings Lizzie into a, a type of conversion, which I think is really beautiful. And I actually have, a couple of saint quotes that I think <laughs> that I think that I think um, play very well into uh, the the storyline of um, of Pride and Prejudice. But I do want to spend some time with you guys and just talk about sacrifice because, again, as Catholics, we have to recognize that um, no greater love is there than to lay your life down for another, right? To for mm-hmm. your friends, for your lovers, for you know, so. In your story, in where the crawdads sing, and in the the story of the, the elf love <laughs> in Lord of the Rings, um, what where where is the sacrifice? Do you want to go first? No, you go first. Okay. <laughs> okay. I feel like so. I mean, in the in Lord of the Rings as a whole, it's just everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, that's what I love so much about it. I was trying to pick like what is my favorite love story and. I feel like even more than all of the romantic love in Lord of the Rings, like the the friendship type of love is mm-hmm. a lot stronger kind of, um, especially in the way that like Sam uh, sacrifices so much for Frodo. But within yeah. the whole context of Eowyn and Faramir, I think there's a lot of sacrifice in the way that they, um, I think they kind of set their pride aside, especially Eowyn, um, because she, you know, she wanted to be this like, glorious warrior woman who dies in battle and I think realizing like that wasn't really the path for her life um Mm -hmm. and just accepting like that things were different but they were going to be really good and then realizing that she wanted to be a healer Mm -hmm. yeah like I don't know I I think kind of just the way that her her mind transitions as she's changing her heart Again, it's the conversion yeah, factor. Yeah. I think that those are some of the best elements of love stories is when you have that. It's not just like, um, I, don't, I guess in a way there, there are elements of love at first sight in that story, but that that you do still have the development or the progression of love that turns it into like real love. Right. Yeah. Right. For sure. Trey? So mine is going to be, um, my story, y'all, is so filled with heartbreak. It's kind of devastating, mm-hmm. but it's also really really beautiful and how it ends um but if I had to pick just one part of the sacrificial you know aspect I think and this is going to be a little counterintuitive you know when the mother leaves and she leaves her children and that sounds awful Mm -hmm. but it was she loved her children she adored Mm -hmm. them I mean she really delight you know the the first part of the book is you you really get a sense that she is 
has a true mother's heart, but the dad mm-hmm. was so violent towards the mother that mm-hmm. it, you know, the kids would try and step in and stop his outburst, and then he would kind of beat them, and you know, kind of the very traditional sort of abuse scene that you would maybe, you know, think of or see in a movie or something like that. And so she left really to save her kids because she knew, I think she knew that, um, and, and she never stopped loving them. And so, and you kind of get glimpses of that and, and tracking her down throughout the book or whatever. Um, but you get a glimpse of like, I'll never see my children again, but mm-hmm. it's the only way really not only to save herself, but really to save them. And it gave them the strength one by one. Like she couldn't pack up all the kids and leave because it would, it, it just wouldn't have been possible in their situation. And there's some logistics there. There's some logistics when you live in a swamp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah. And so, so her leaving kind of gave the others the strength to leave. And, um, and then again, the, the story is really focused on the youngest child who's there. Um, but she, she did, she learned how to, um, you know, be sweet to her dad and he kind of softened towards her and then he, he kind of left eventually. But I, I would say, I can't imagine leaving my kids. <laughs> yeah. As a, as, and, and so many times I think women probably stay in situations that are very unhealthy because they don't want to leave their kids. They don't want to lose their kids. Um, they feel like it's the only way to protect their kids. But I think she shows by leaving her this abusive situation it was going to protect her kids to some degree. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I think that what you're what you're touching on is the the um, theology of John Paul II when he says, you know, that um, that love is willing the good of another. Mm-hmm. You know that your decisions are made in um, in charity, even though they might not look so loving. You mm-hmm. know, it's kind of like that hard love. Um, idea that you know it it doesn't look like a mother abandoning her children is is particularly loving but if you if you pull it out you Mm -hmm. know if you you look at a from a greater distance you see that um, it was willing their good in a way and that was the only way at least that she saw that there could be a good end there right right Mm -hmm. what about what about in lord of the rings caitlin about that idea of willing the good of the other you already kind of mentioned samwise which i think is probably the best example but um even even you know focusing now back on on your love story like do you feel like um, willing the good of the other plays a part in that particular narrative oh yeah totally um i think the way that because when faramir and erwin and eowyn first meet she's she's super sad and um, very mopey and she just keeps saying stuff like, Oh, I just, I just wish I could ride into battle with everyone else. I I wish I could die this valiant death. But Faramir is looking at her just kind of saying like, that's not, that's not good for you. That's not what's best for Mm -hmm. you, even though it's what you want right now. Like, I think he was trying to help her understand, um, that you don't have to die in battle, um, in order to live like a, a good life. Um, mm-hmm. which is hard for her because I think that's the way she was raised. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And again, I'm going to, I don't like, no, I do. I actually do like to over-spiritualize things, <laughs> but you almost, <laughs> you almost see in that story where, um, she has to come to terms with Teresa's little way in mm-hmm. a, in, in a way, you know, that she has to be content with doing things that are, um, in her consideration, less than she is able or perhaps even destined, um, and still 
and still in the end she she comes to understand who she really is and obviously develops love in the process which I think is you know the theme uh, for all of these stories is that again that process or that progression of realizing what real love is what about yours Fran um what was the question <laughs> the sacrificial love <laughs> she was so enthralled with you Caitlin I'm sorry <laughs> I am I just like this is like I mean, this is like a brain massage for me just hearing people talk about literature again as much as I say that I don't like novels I actually love talking about them book clubs are small groups are one of my favorite Fran loves a group <laughs> um I don't know. I think that, well, obviously, Mr. Darcy, um, his, the, the sacrifices that he makes for love of Lizzie, um, I think is, is probably the most evident in the story, at least for me. Um, my favorite, one of my favorite parts is his love letter to her. It really is a love letter. I mean, it, it, it's a, he says that, you know, he's writing it for justice, I think is what he says. The words, I'll have to open it up, but, um, when he basically explains to her when he proposes and she denies him and and then um, she you know tells him that why she's so mad at him and he in the moment doesn't really defend himself but then writes this letter of of defense or his apologetic of why he why it appeared that he was not acting lovingly and then in reading this letter over because I think she reads it at least two or three times she comes to realize that he was doing all of these things that didn't feel loving to her that didn't appear to be done in charity that they really were um, sacrifices on his part for love of her and that totally changes her heart um you know I think it's just such such a beautiful story (laughs) there's so many things about it that are wonderful but actually my next question um for us to discuss was like do you have a particular quotation from your story that um just kind of crystallizes uh the 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 love aspect and this is where mine comes into play so I'll just go ahead and read it since we're since we're there Uh so just after she reads his letter um she she says that she was so ashamed of herself, right? That um, it, it says she grew absolutely ashamed of herself, of neither Darcy nor Wickham could she think without feeling that she had been blind, partial, prejudiced, absurd. And then it goes on where she's kind of lamenting um, how she had so misunderstood the situation and how humiliated she is to have... Um, not realize the truth of the matter in clarity and she said had I been in love I could have not been more wretchedly blind I love that line (laughs) Uh, but vanity not love has been my folly which I totally identify with and then skipping a little bit more um, she kind of ends this kind of I guess it's like a confession. It's it's out loud in the in the book, but in my mind, like this is the conversion of her heart, which is which then pr- prompts this confession of of realization. And she says, "Till this moment, I never knew myself," and I think that's what real love does: is that it 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 brings us to a a place where we can actually know ourselves and realize who we are in the context only in the context of love like there's no other way to know yourself in that way except um through the realization of love and I think this is where I'm going to bring in a saint quote um (laughs) I think that uh Saint Catherine of Siena says it uh, this is a good corollary piece I think um to what uh to what Lizzie is experiencing in Pride and Prejudice and this this is um Saint uh Catherine of Siena and she says um 
Do you know how you can tell when your spiritual love is not perfect? Again, she's talking about spiritual love, but I think that they uh, love is well, I'm going to say love is love, but I don't I don't mean it how most people mean it. I mean it like, you know, all love if it is love has the end that that is the same, which is God. So, um if you are distressed when it seems that those you love are not returning your love or not loving you as much as you think you love them, and again, if you read Pride and Prejudice, this is a theme th- throughout. Um, or if you are distressed when it seems to you that you have been be- that you are being deprived of their company or comfort, or that they love someone else more than you. All of this comes of the failure to dig out every bit of the root of spiritual selfishness. Again, it, the, the, the title is Pride and Prejudice, but like throughout, it's really selfishness, self-interest. That is the driving force for um, the things that go wrong. Uh, this is why, this is Catherine of Siena again, this is why I often permit you to form such a love in God's, these are God's um, words to, to her, so that you may come through it to know yourself and your imperfection in the way I have described. So again, this is kind of her interlocution of God telling her, like, I'm allowing these lesser loves or these imperfect loves to help you come to know yourself. And that's exactly what Lizzie says. Till this moment, I never knew myself. So I love that. I think that's my favorite quote. Yeah. Well, my quote, um, it actually ties in really well with that because it's only two sentence, but it's then the heart of Eowyn changed or at least or else at least she understood it. And suddenly her winter passed and the sun shone on her. And so it's kind of the same thing. Like um, she's, she's finally understanding her own heart. Yes. Yes. I love so, yeah, that. That is so beautiful. I thought it was funny that they, like we kind of picked the same kind of quotes. They're the same. Yeah. And they could even be like interchange. Like you could take that quote and put it at Pemberley. Seriously, <laughs> like change the names, put it at Pemberley and it makes sense in the story. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mine is, of course, a little different because it's um, kind of a, a different type of story. But, um, and again, a little bit of context. Kaya is, there, there, she's gone like years without really human interaction, except for to get gas and like oyster crackers at the, you know, little store. And so, and, and she did that very, 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 you know, semi-regularly. Like it wasn't even a regular thing. And so then when she finally meets you know, meets, see some kids playing and she meets one of the boys and then she, anyway, she has a, she does end up having a few relationships in her life. Um, but she was always sort of like the kind of weird marsh school, marsh girl. She was, she was considered kind of a wild animal almost. Mm -hmm. And, um, but she, she does experience true love, but it, it takes a long time to, to get Mm -hmm. there. And, and I loved, um, she said, uh, "Lots of time, love does. Lots of times, love doesn't work out. Yet, even when it fails, it connects you to others, and in the end, that is all you have—the connections." So she, mm. you know, she again. I assume when everyone that you know leaves you, you feel very unworthy. You feel very mm-hmm. unloved, and so this story is kind of just like a champion of her learning to love herself and finding love, and and kind of all the kind of spiritual battles and internal struggles that she goes through to get there. And, and the guy that, um, you know, one of the, her suitors, the, the dad said, uh, or she said, his dad had told him many times that the definition of a real man is one who cries without shame, reads poetry with his heart, feels opera in his soul, and does what's necessary to, to defend a woman. And so for her... It's super romantic. It is super romantic. So for her, though, but like, and I, you know, she needed 
to be defended because there were, Mm -hmm. um, there were a lot of people who kind of thought she was crazy. They were after her. They needed the, the swamp. They were trying to get her off the land, but she had nobody, you know, really to care for her. And, um, and so this kind of well-refined man just sees something in her, you know, and, and falls in love with her. But anyways, mm-hmm. um, I like where both of y'all, but, but she had a change of heart. You know, she mm-hmm. felt like yeah. she was unloved. Nobody could, you know, would love her. And she couldn't trust anyone. Like, mm-hmm. t- imagine the trust issues this person mm-hmm. clearly has. Um, mm-hmm. And so. Well, and I think that. Go ahead. So no, sorry. no, no, you go ahead. I was just going to say, I think the through line that you're, that you're demonstrating there is that love never leaves you where you are. Right. You know, there's, it always Mm -hmm. takes you, um, further beyond, um, there's a Tolkien quote, oh my gosh, it's totally, um, escaping me, Caitlin, and I don't want to put you on the spot, but it's like (laughs) ever the, ever the road goes on or something to that effect. Like, like it, it never stops. Like, um, Uh I wish I wish that I knew the Tolkien quote. I'm super embarrassed that I probably butchered. Is it the road that... goes ever on and on? Yes, thank you. <laughs> yes. You almost got it. You were close. But but I mean that's what love does too. I think that that it's all uh, tied into that. So guys, this was just like a really shallow scratch on the surface of love stories in literature. <laughs> but I think that it's time for us to do our um, last little bit. I think so. Okay. Um, Caitlin, do you want to go first or do you want, uh, do you need a minute to think on it? Oh, you, you or do guys we need to first. do rock, paper, scissors? Okay. We can do that. Rock, too. paper, scissors. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors. Shoot. What do you have? The same do you have paper thing. too? Yeah. <gasps> Tracy. We do it every time. Okay. Rock, you know, rock, paper, scissors, shoot. <laughs> we do the same thing. <laughs> <sighs> okay. We can't do that anymore. Okay. That's not, it's not fair. I'm going to go. Or okay. do you want to go? No, you okay, go. I'm going to go. I want you because to go. We can I do want to this. sacrifice we for can you do because this I love you. <laughs> <laughs> You're so sacrificial. I have a couple mm. last little bits. Is that okay? Like I have. Yeah, just make so them go one, fast. One to tie into literature. I am currently listening to a Pope and a President or the Pope and the President about Pope huh. St. John Paul II and President Reagan and kind of how mm. their alliances, you know, helped obviously um, during the Cold War. The fall War. of yeah. communism. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So, um, but one, so it kind of jumps back and forth. It gives a little bit of history on, you know, uh, JP2, and then I'll go back to like simultaneously what was going on in Ronald Reagan's life. And then, and I'm just now getting to where like their, their paths are crossing, you know, and they're working together. But one thing I found so just sweet was after President Reagan was shot, um, he, you know, he's in the hospital and his wife, Nancy Reagan, has um, kind of calls all of her confidants together. And there's, um, there's, you know, some pastors and friends, just they're really, really close group of friends. And what, what this story says is that she felt so guilty that he got shot. And she even said, hmm. I normally stand on his left side and he wouldn't have gotten shot if I were there. It would have hit me. Hmm. And she, she, hmm. she felt, she kept saying, I felt so guilty. So the fact that this tiny little petite woman would have taken a bullet and felt bad Aww. that she did not take a bullet for her husband, like talk about true love. Can you imagine? Their love story is actually very sweet. Oh my gosh. Oh, Ronnie. Oh, I love them both. <laughs> okay. So that's, that's one I just thought was like, I, I'd never heard that story before and I'm mm-hmm. kind of a President Reagan fan. So that was, that was really sweet to me. Um, my other last little bit is you're going to be listening to this on Valentine's day. My husband and I are in the house hunting market, and I just have to throw this out here. So we just looked at a house. It's really beautiful, but the, the woman who owns it loves red, like it's her color. 
The stove is like a kind of a cool French stove, but it's red. And everything what? else is white, but then like in the pantry, it's like red twab, you know, paper. And, and it's beautiful. It's very well done. But I just made a comment. I said, God, I said, she, I said, red's her color. And the, I, I love a good listing agent. She goes, well, you know, red really is a neutral. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I'm thinking if, since sure. it's Valentine's Day, like men put on your red sweaters and ladies like, <laughs> Paint your nails red and go out with your neutral attire. You feel that you're being neutral. <laughs> is that not the best? Red really is a neutral color. I'm That's like, hilarious. Uh, it's not. Sounds pretty relativistic to me. But I know. Okay. I know. <laughs> and then my last um, one. I have one more. Is that okay? Okay. I have one more. Okay. Got, my last one is, girl. last year, um, I, we were new to our school. And so, you know, wanting to impress all the, all the other children and their mothers, I ordered a... <laughs> St. Valentine's Day cards ahead of time. And they're super cute. Ordered them from my friend in Little Rock. Um, and then in, it's like, I think it says something like, I'm stuck on you. Happy Valentine's Day. Love, Vika. And then you, and I ordered these really big, cute suckers. And I was like, put them on there. And then I got the email. No food for Valentine's yeah, Day. That's Aww. a thing. I have never heard of that. Um, I can see I it. I mean, either. I can understand it. But yeah, really? So I have saved these. I have boxes of these suckers. <laughs> so annoyed. So this year, I'm so excited because the teacher said, and I guess it's up to the teacher. Again, oh, I didn't know because this is only our second year here. So this teacher says suckers or sweet tarts. So I'm like, oh. yeah, I can't find the stickers. <laughs> oh, I'm hoping by the time y'all hear this that I have found the stickers. You found them. I so, hope so too. Fran and Caitlin, could y'all like just say a prayer to um, you know, my man Tony? And ask St. Anthony to, like, <laughs> find these stickers for me. I've already been looking all over the house today. Oh, That's all. That always happens to me. Right? Oh. Oh. I got the stickers. Caitlin, why don't you go next? I know you're going to need to hop off. Why don't you go with your last little bit? And then if you need uh, to go ahead okay. and hang up, you can. But um, I, want, I want to know yours. I don't want us to run out of time. Man, okay. <laughs> uh, I don't really know what to say. Um. <laughs> well, why don't you uh, reiterate maybe where we can find you? Okay. Um, so you can pretty much find me anywhere at Tea with Tolkien, like on Instagram. I'm actually not really on Instagram um, very much. It's kind of stressful to me. I don't know what you guys, yeah. how you guys it's feel. It's a time suck. I just yeah. feel like I don't ever have any like pretty pictures to post. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, I don't think I've posted on there since like last month. Um, I'm mostly on Twitter at Tea with Tolkien. So if you want to connect, you can uh, send me a message or something over there. Um, and then you can also find me at teawithtolkien.com and there's links to our book club there which is Ooh, pretty yeah. much the main thing we do um i don't know how familiar you guys are with discord yes you like you know about okay so it yeah but it's but you can tell our audience yeah, yes yeah, yeah. go ahead so for anyone who doesn't know discord is like a big giant group chat with different channels for different topics and so we have um a tea with tolkien discord and then there's a book club channel so we are reading Lord of the Rings right now, and, and it's, it's very casual. Like, you just hop on whenever and, and chat with whoever's on at the moment. Um, that is so fun. So it's been it really is fun. so yeah. fun. It's really laid I back this that. time. Readers are leaders. We need more readers. <laughs> yeah. We clearly need more readers. Did you just make that up? No. That's brilliant. I say to my we children, We need t-shirts like, that daily. say that. <laughs> <laughs> readers are leaders. <laughs> I love that. And I will say, if I could just reiterate... Tea with Tolkien on Twitter. You will not be disappointed. 
We <laughs> she's oh, so gosh. good. We're so good. <laughs> okay, I do have a quick last little bit, and um, you can go first, Caitlin, because it's it's just like super duper fast. My last little bit is not going to be like. Um, very very thinky <laughs> or even bookish because I'm going to the movies uh, okay what you have to do this was kind of a meme on Twitter on Twitter I think or it was on the internet where somebody said uh, pick your favorite movie and you have to take away all of the characters as human beings but you can leave one as a human being and the rest of the movie has to be Muppets oh yeah I saw that so I <laughs> did you see it's so funny okay so I'm gonna like even narrow that and say it has to be a love story movie all of the characters are Muppets except for one person go Okay, uh, star, uh, the new Star Wars, and all of them are Muppets except Kylo Ren. Oh. <laughs> creepy. <laughs> that just made everything creepy. Um, I would say, I don't know, Steel Magnolias, everybody's a Muppet, but Shelby, obviously. Obvi. Shelby. Okay, mine is going to be... <laughs> gonna be i actually have two and they're both patrick swayze gets to stay almost <laughs> <laughs> in patrick swayze what is dirty yes but my favorite one is ghost <laughs> that would be I really wanna, funny i want to see the scene where they're making pottery with oh the my God. <laughs> you are nuts up oh, i almost said dirty dancing evolved. I'm glad I'm glad you're on the same wavelength there. I almost I almost went there, but I was like, meh. Nah. Nah. Oh I love it. Kaylin, thank you so much for joining us today. Yeah, you were so fun me. to talk to. Yes, thank you for joining us. It's nice to finally get to talk to you and um, we follow you on Twitter, so everybody else should follow you too. Yeah. Okay. We're gonna keep following you. Keep doing your stuff and good luck having your baby. Many blessings, yeah. St. Gerard, blessed mother, all all the saints and angels. We will pray with them uh, for a safe and happy delivery of the presumably baby boy. Yes. <laughs> Have a Bye, good Caitlin. one. Bye, thanks. Bye. Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful.